HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn, new American cuisine in one of Washington, D.C.'s oldest hotels, located in DuPont Circle. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Welcome to Processing, a show about the intersection of food and grief with your hosts, me, Zara Tangora, and Bobby Conforto, and... And we're sitting <laughs> freaking next to each other. I'm about to take a picture of it as proof. Um, Bobby and I are sitting next to each other, I mean, this close to each other, and I'm in Bobby's house for the first time recording since March of 2020 when uh, mm-hmm. we left our beloved HRN studio. Right, we'd been doing it remote, Zara was in Brooklyn, I was here on Long Island, and today we're together, and we are so grateful, and so grateful that we're in this place right now that we can be together again. I mean, it's such an interest because our show today, as you guys will come to find out, is about gratitude. Um, and it's a beautiful show and it couldn't be more perfect than that we are able to have this kind of day of reentry with each other where like, this is the first time I've been in Bobby's house in a year and a half. Yep. Which is like, you know, I mean, we live close enough together where I generally spend quite a bit of time over here. And we'd have a walk outside, but it's never been... Yeah, we've seen each other. Out. Yep, we're hanging but we've not, out. We went in the car together today. And we're now we're pa- holding hands, We're holding too. paws! <laughs> Bobby, you have a soft hand. So today on the show, we have a really cool episode and a really mm-hmm. wonderful guest and a beautiful human being who I've had the pleasure of knowing for some years now. Um author Gina Hamity and Gina uh, recently wrote a beautiful book um, called I Want to Thank You How a Year of Gratitude Can Bring Joy and Meaning in a Disconnected World Um, so Gina basically wrote a thank you note each day of a year starting in 2018 Mm -hmm. and so yeah she comes on the show today to kind of discuss I mean, gratitude and why she decided to start this project. And then I guess our interest also is about, you know, connecting that with grief and, yes. and, the, and the grieving process and gratitude. And, you know, it really connected with mindfulness, which mm. we discuss a lot. And it, it's something I didn't bring up in the show, but I wanted to mention that one of our friends of the show, Ellen, um, after a loss, a terrible loss that she had in her life, also began a mindfulness project of taking pictures one every day for 365 days. And then putting it into a book mm. and giving that as a gift. It's beautiful. And I didn't get to mention it on the show, but it's really very similar to the project that Gina had. Totally. Because it's really bringing us to the moment of gratitude of where we are right now in this moment, despite what's happening in our lives. Absolutely. And also the catharsis and finding, I think, in like when it's relating to grief, you know, in finding uh, ritual and uh, changing the pathways. I mean, right. We mentioned it a bit in the show, and Bobby were ta- and I were talking about it earlier this morning, that, you know, sometimes when you're looking to kind of make a change or a shift in your life, it's like clearing the forest, and there's a big wooded area, and you need to get from one side to the other, and you have to clear a new path, and you bring a machete, and you chop down some branches, and then you keep p- trudging over the same, you know, kind of high grass and sticks and stuff. The task and clearing that. Yeah, and you walk over it for a year, and you look back at this thickly wooded area and now there's a path mm-hmm. and not to say that you could never still get lost but there is a path once you kind of start a, a practice of it so and the practice and the task of doing something every day the discipline of mm-hmm. that yeah is very profound it really is part of what gina did and that we appreciate totally. it so much yeah so this is a really 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 wonderful episode and uh we can't thank gina enough and it was 
a lovely episode. It was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Her perspective was lovely. She's so lovely. Mm-hmm. And uh, her spirit, she's so warm. It was just such a, it was like a bunch of old pals palling around. Right? Yes. It felt like a lot In of... In the same room. Yeah. It felt like a lot of palling around. Um, so, Gina, thank you so much. You're a delight and a joy. And I'm going to remind you guys one more time. The book is called I Want to Thank You, How a Year of Gratitude Can Bring Joy and Meaning in a Disconnected World, and we can't recommend it enough. And it's going to remind us all to say thank you in, in each moment. Sometimes to people, sometimes just for the moment of nature and being alive. Totally. And uh, Gina did mention, she mentions at the end how you can purchase the book. It is available everywhere. And if you are in anywhere near the, anywhere in Brooklyn, really, or the world, but particularly in the Copple Hill uh, area or surrounding, uh, please check out Books Are Magic. It is like, I mean, it's in the title. It's magic. It's a wonderful bookstore. It's beloved deeply. Mm-hmm. And um, it would be a great place to, to pick up a copy of Gina's book. And Greenlight, also another great bookstore over in Fort Greene. Um, okay, without further ado, please welcome Gina Hammond to the show. Bye. Bye. Take care. here today with Gina Hamity and Gina welcome to processing we are so 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 excited to have you on the show today how's it going thank you I'm great I'm so happy to be here thank you of course and thank you is a perfect way to kind of start this because you have written a beautiful new book um, called I want to thank you how a year of gratitude can bring joy and meaning to a disconnected world and uh, I have have just been so blown away by your your book and also just so curious about your motivations to write this book. So grateful that this is part of um, the literary world at this point. I think it's such a valuable thing to have. And, you know, I thought when we were booking new guests and talking to new people, I'm like, I just really, I mean, aside from the fact that we kind of know each other from previous stuff, I was just like, I would love to have Gina on the show to talk about this. So yay, you're here. Yay, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for that lovely intro. Yeah. So um, before we begin, just because I had been thinking a little bit about, I mean, a lot bit about, I guess, gratitude specifically in preparation for this episode. And I had, uh, I wanted to start us off with a quote uh, from JFK. Uh, We must find time to stop and thank the people who make a difference in our lives. And that's a very simple one, but I mean, just such a meaningful thing. And so what kind of promoted you to start doing this project? So I had a stack of thank you notes that I needed to write in January of 2018 because I had organized a fundraiser for City Harvest in December. And as part of the incentive to people who donated, I said that I would write a, you know, write them a thank you note and my son, who was four and a half at the time, that he would help. Um, so I had this big stack of thank you notes to write and I turned to them on the train. I, at the time was, uh, commuting from Brooklyn to summit, New Jersey for a consulting gig I had out there. And I, I guess to explain my frame of mind in that moment. Okay. So it's January, you know, December is always busy for everybody, very busy for me with two little kids, four and a half and and one and a half at that point or one. And, uh, you know, 2018 kind of a dark moment in the world. Um, like I just, I sort of had a rough, yeah, it was just sort of like a, I don't know. I felt like the holidays I needed to get through it. It was not, it felt like a strange holiday season. Um, you know, I remember walking around the neighborhood, our neighborhood in Brooklyn with all the, you know, looking at all the trees and the brownstones and being like, can I curse on this or no? Oh, yes, please. We had, we encourage cursing. <laughs> I'm like the only gratitude person who like curses. Um, just like, fuck this and fuck you. And like, why is everybody, it's just like, it feels like artifice and I don't know. I, so I was in like a scroogey kind of a little bit of a dark place for me, which is like very dark, but, um, and And then I had this beautiful hour-long ride to and from Summit, New Jersey on a quiet train car. 
And I felt like I was kind of wasting it in my to-do list and email and social feeds. And I don't know, I wasn't even really thinking about it that much, but it just felt like there was probably a way to like enjoy it more and like treasure it and kind of feel the silence after the you know, holiday season that I wasn't quite doing. And then I turned to these thank you notes, which I wasn't necessarily looking forward to. I wasn't maybe dreading it, but it wasn't, it was just like a task on my like long to-do list. And I started writing them and I almost immediately felt like, what is this feeling? (laughs) I just felt like everything kind of calmed down. My breathing felt like it slowed. My shoulders relaxed. It was just like, like a calm focus for my brain and my body. And I think I had a basic sense of that, but I had a lot to write. I had 31 notes to write. So over the course of that month, I know a lot of people donated, um, over the course of that month, the, the train rides that I turned to five or six or seven of these cards, instead of being in my phone and to-do list, I just sort of notice this, this feeling of like, this feels really nice and it's surprising. And, and not only did it feel nice as I was writing them and focusing on this one kind of positive, nice note that I was writing, I, it felt like it carried into the day. Like I sort of left the train with like eyes open, noticing things a little better, kind of, you know, such a beautiful day. The snow is Sparkly. I don't know. Just it just felt a little less like hunched over and in my to do list, and more like, huh. Well, and it's interesting. Just to pause for a quick second, yeah. only because Bobby and I were just having this conversation in the car, speaking about just a person that we know who's kind of beginning a journey of, you know, making a change in their life. And Bobby, you were just talking about the metaphor of carving new pathways, right? Well, I was talking about um, the concept of how we're so used to the regular w- routines that we have. And what you're saying, it's the, the we're used to it. It's, it becomes mundane in a way, and we get very tunneled in. And we create a certain pathway in our brain. And what you're describing really is that it affected your parasympathetic nervous system, that you really were impacted. It changed your chemistry in a way. And that you shifted to a place where you were more grounded and clearer and it actually changed the pathway to your brain. Is that what you're kind of saying? That's exactly right. And I didn't, I didn't have the words to explain it then. And when I was writing the book, I did speak to some brain experts and, you know, learn more about neuroplasticity and the fact that you, any time you sit with anything again and again, it kind of makes it easier. Your brain is so efficient that it makes it easier to go back there, which is why gratitude and positivity are so beneficial because, it's the more you sit with it and in a repeated way like that, the easier it is to get there, you know? So it's just like, it, it's, it gets easier and easier to get to like a warm, positive, calm place. And I learned that later speaking to experts, but just in that, I didn't know any of that at the moment. I just, and I hadn't looked into any of the gratitude studies at that time yet, but it just, but I just felt it. And it was so naturally. Yeah, it really was. And it and so at the end of the month, when I had finished the task on the very last day of the month, and it was January 31st, and I had 31 notes that I had just written. And I was just thinking about this, that it was such a bizarrely positive thing. And I wanted to keep it up in this way. And so the whole concept came to me like in a little neatly wrapped gift of, okay, well, you've written one thank you note for every day of the year so far. So what if you kept it up and what would that look like? And because I came up in magazines, I'm like a content calendar kind of comes to me naturally. So I themed it by the month, you know, January was charity. So I need to come up with 11 more themes and every month I would, you know, turn to that theme, you know, so there was neighbors, friends, family, food, travel, healthcare workers, um, authors, you know, were, were some of them. And at the top of the month, I would make a list and figure out, you know, who would those people be and what would that look like? Um, yeah, so that's that's how it all started. You know, I'm I'm struck by a word that you mentioned a couple times just now, which is task, right? And I think it's interesting to relate this to people who are in the grieving process. And Bobby, you would know more about this than I do, but just that, like, and there you've mentioned before the, the tasks, tasks of, of grief, grief right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that. Um, 
I think that, you know, we can think of the word task as like a chore or a burden or something in one, you know, that's kind of maybe how it lives in our minds in one way. But I think if we approach grief or struggle or kind of healing in the way where this is a task that I have to do because it's like putting a practical almost uh, application to kind of managing our way through difficult situations too. It makes sense of what you're doing. You know, the tasks, they used to be considered stages of grief, and we realized that that's not, doesn't make any sense. That it's, But rather, there's certain work that we have to do, spiritual work that we have to do. And certainly, that's what you're saying, mm. is that, Gina, your work is spiritual work. Yeah. That's what it came to be, right? Yeah, I think that's a lovely way to put it. Um, and, you know, you're reminding me of... Um, and maybe you have, I don't want to skip ahead in your questions, but you know, but I, um, you're reminding me of, I, I did in my, what I call my thank you year, I did write to a widow of a dear friend of mine who I had sort of earmarked for him for my food month because he, so John, I I think it's, I mean, I mentioned, I think I mentioned his whole name in the book. So it's, his name is John Jarka and he and his wife, um, Marie Jarka, we had met when I was working at Oprah Magazine and we took a wine class at Beko, um, a Lydia Bastianich restaurant. And I kind of, I was in my early twenties and I thought I started, I took that wine class thinking that I would like meet meet like-minded young wine and food people. And I ended up meeting like a 60 something year old couple from New Jersey and we became <laughs> dear friends and they, and they just, um, they had four daughters, three daughters or four daughters, maybe three. Um, and, and they just took me on as this, like he loved in his retirement coming into the city and going to like very fancy restaurants. It just was like his joy and going to Broadway. So he would come in like every month or two and they would take me to like, I mean, they took me to like Danielle, French Laundry. Like I stumbled Amazing. into this, like, they were like my benefactors. And, um, and he was just like, so, you know, it was so clear that he had been around women his whole life. Like he just made me feel so at ease and he was such a good person and a great listener. And I just, I don't know. I just, we became dear friends and, and then he died and I wasn't able to write him that note about how important it was to me that he had sort of taken me on in this moment in my life that I couldn't afford restaurants, but more than it was more than, you know, it was more than that, obviously, but like, but just how special and strange that was that they did that. And, and he died in April and I meant to write to him in July. So I ended up writing to his widow in July and I'm close with Marie too, but he was really the the force behind like this was really his dream to come into the city a lot from New Jersey and like and and go to all these restaurants that was like his passion and so I wrote to her basically the note that I would have written to him and I sort of realized that these thank you notes which I call thank you notes but maybe gratitude notes is a better term because I think of thank you notes as thank you for the gift you gave me and I guess I think of gratitude notes as thank you for the what you did for me or thank you for the thing you said that I've never forgotten kind of thing. And so I wrote this all to her, not in like a long letter, but you know, like a, I wrote her a card basically saying what I just told you. And, um, and it sort of, it struck me that, um, you know, like a sympathy card and a gratitude note are very similar, you know, like it's a nice way to think of a sympathy note is like a thank you for, you know, thanking this person who's gone for what they gave you in their life and sharing that with their loved ones, you know? Right. And the memorialization of it. Yeah. It's yeah. Extremely- yeah. Yeah. And she wrote back to me, um, I actually quoted it in the, in the book. Um, but she wrote back to me basically like just how much it meant to her. And then she wanted to go on her own little thank you note journey. So I kind of guided her through like, you know, she, she had like these really specific questions about, um, you know, here, I have it here. Um, did you take your Rolodex and start from a continuing to Z or did you follow a calendar system? When did this person come into my life? I really want to do this because your note made such an impact. It truly touched me. Um, so it was, that was sort of a, a lovely, 
I think I would have written her a note anyway, I think, but I don't know. We get so busy. There's like good intentions. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, this is a practice of putting your good intentions into, into reality. Um, I'm curious about your uh, opinion and Bobby yours as well of writing gratitude notes uh, or thank you notes to folks who have passed away. And like, if you do have something you want to say to them and perhaps there isn't a situation where you can send it to, you know, a remaining relative or someone else that was close, what do you suggest for folks who maybe want to write a letter of gratitude to someone who's passed away? And I mean, what do you do with it? Where do you mail it? What, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple things come to mind. I mean, first of all, what, what came straight to mind? Um, and then I'll answer that question because I think that's a great idea, but it's not something I've done, but I, I could talk through it and see how I would like how I would approach that. But something that a few people have said to me after just following my story or my Instagram or reading my book or whatever is that it inspired them to reach out to like an oncologist or a doctor for a you know a parent or somebody who who's died, um, and that that was enormously helpful. I've heard that again and again. You know, even at like years later, um, and I in my healthcare workers month I. I did reach out to, my dad is alive and doing well, but he had a really scary heart thing. Actually, he just had a bypass and I, and I feel like I need to reach out to the nurses and doctors again, but, but it was a little more of like a normal, I mean, bypasses are scary, but they're like preventative. What happened 12 or 13 years ago was like super scary. And we felt like he was going to die any day and it was a terrifying, you know, week. And so, you know, 10 years later, nine, 10 years later, I wrote to those doctors. Um, and I did find it very helpful in the processing of, you know, just how I felt, you know, how scary it was until I got to the right doctors. And then how I felt like, okay, he's finally in good hands. I can finally trust something. Um, anyway, so all to say that like that, I've found people saying is very helpful and I found it helpful, even though, thank God my dad is alive, but it just, it's, I still had a lot of trauma over that week, you know? And so writing to those doctors kind of, I guess just reframed it a little bit where it's like, right, it ended well, you know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. It's like, instead of living in the grief part of it and the scary part of it, it was like living in the like, okay, you guys were great (laughs) kind of part of it. Sorry, were you going to say something? And then I'll speak to, um, your Absolutely. Question. You know, what you're saying, you know, I, of course, uh, being a, a bereavement specialist, I've worked with families that have had family members die from illness and it's such a journey. It's such a long journey. And there's so many people they meet along the way. And I think that most people are so appreciative to meet a human being mm. on the mm. other side, mm-hmm. you know, a medical yeah. human being, mm. you know, because there's with big corporate hospitals and big systems and People feel so isolated and alone and scared. And when you meet human beings, it means so much. And you're so vulnerable and open. You know, you're kind of walking around just broken open. And um, to meet somebody that's kind and is just so meaningful and so helpful. So many people do exactly what you did and, you know, write letters to their medical staff. And it helps them integrate. What you're really saying is that you get to integrate the experience. You know, you get to kind of work through some of the grief again. You work through some of the fear again. And you work through this great appreciation that there was a human being that was capable and competent. You know, we all know what it's like to be at the other end when sometimes it's not that way. Mm. And it's so painful to be going through a problem and then have not just people that are unkind, but somehow you just don't meet. You know, something happens. It's Mm -hmm. not to say that those people had bad intentions, but it doesn't really work both on the spiritual level or the physical level of getting help. So I think it is so meaningful. And also to address what you said, um, you have no idea on the other end what it means to people who have had somebody a loss and somebody writes to them about that person. And about what that person meant to them. Do you get a lot of that oh as a therapist? I hear yeah, it I all the time. And I think about this one man I knew once, way back, and he had lost both his wife and his son in a very short period of time. And he said all he did was walk around all the time saying to people, tell me about them, tell me about them. Oh, so right. he was asking, he was begging them to hear stories. Mm-hmm. So when you take the time to write what that person meant to you and how you saw them and how they touched you, it's, you know, it fills them up. 
before, and I'm so interested to hear, Gina, what you have to say about uh, my question about writing to people of past, but I just before I forget this, want to just say something. I was uh, reading Slouching Towards Bethlehem yesterday, rereading it, one of yeah. my favorite books ever, and there's one essay in which Joan Didion talks about um, why we write as writers, right? And, like, kind of exploring... Yeah. I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what she said. But, like... We, we tell stories to... To remember who we are. Who we are, yeah. Right. Yeah. To leave yeah. an imprint of who we are. And I think, similarly, like, in that process, the, you know, who we are through the reflection of how we loved other people, who, we, who yeah. those people were, you know what I mean? And I think all of this is kind of circling around what I think is, like, the most beautiful thing about your project and gratitude in general is, like the one thing that we actually all have in common, whether we want to recognize it or not, is searching for some kind of meaning, right? Mm -hmm. Like meaning in life. And so I think part of like maybe what we realize or don't realize in writing, you know, thank you notes or, or is sussing out like some, some kind of like some kind of outline, some kind of permanent cave drawing or etching or something as to like what this human being or who we were in life as some kind of like imprint because otherwise it's like, well, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. in that kind of self investigation, um, whether we're conscious of it or not is so important and such a high practice. And so that's why I think really what you're doing is like so incredible. Thank you. I wrote in that, in, in that same section where I talk about John and Marie Jarka, I write about like throughout the year, I thought a lot about death and, and I thought a lot about, you know, I'm under no delusions that like every note I wrote is going to be like pressed between a book and, you know, it's like, you know, yeah. whatever, but, like, but yeah. some of them might, right? Like, but some of them might, you know, and like, and it is what remains. And I sort of said like, you know, writers, you know, are trying to write the great American novel to like live on. But like, what if that's, what if that's not as important as like living on in these small person to person ways where like somebody would find this note, you know, that somebody wrote to their mom and sort of illuminated something that they had no idea. Like maybe that's more important, you know, even if it's not as like, I don't know, like even if it doesn't make you money, you know what I mean? Or even if it doesn't lend you fame. Um, and so I thought about it a lot. Every time I would slide a bunch of notes into the mailbox, I would sort of have this like um, – you know, this thought about that, about that mortality piece. And also like another piece of this is that I had, I think a, a real germ of this project was um, after I gave birth to my first son, I got really sick. I got an infection, um, strep A, like the kind that can be like, um, like it like eats up your face, skin. It's like, yeah, yeah. it can be really bad. And they didn't, I don't know. They, I, I guess sort of got lost in the system for a few days and it really could have been bad. Um, wow. and so I was like in the, you know, emergency, like I was in the ICU and like, I had to like pump all night with the ICU and I couldn't see my baby for a few days and, yeah. and all's well that ends well. And it was, you know, I was there for a week and it was fine, but definitely there were like moments where they were like, she's not out of the woods yet. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the woods. Like, Ooh. you know, um, so you know, and it was like all the, all the hormones and, you know, just like, you know, a week in the hospital feels like six months or whatever. Um, anyway, so I, that was definitely a moment of like that people have sometimes when they lose a parent or sometimes when they get into a car accident. But that was like my moment of like, oh, right. <laughs> it's really true. We're all, it's all going to end for each of us. Um, and so, you know, like it's, it's really going to happen. Um, and so I think there is, there is that urgency for me to like, say, say the thing, say everything, say it before it's too late. hundred percent. I can relate to that so heavily. I was in a, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was in a terrible accident when I was 21 and like a near death accident. That's actually how I ended up opening Brucey. Cause I was in an accident. I was in a tour bus with a friend of mine who was a musician and our driver fell asleep and drove us off a cliff in the middle of the desert and the bus exploded and I got hurt. And so I got some money to open Brucey. But like ever since that happened, I have that same feeling. And it's interesting when you have that feeling because it also is something that not that you need to harness it, but like not everybody has that feeling yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So like, you know, it's, it requires a bit of like just consciousness. I think about it sometimes because otherwise, like for me, like I could run so wild with my feelings of the shortness of life. You know what I mean? Like I run out of my bed in the morning and be like, I'm here, you know, carpe diem. And then just like start yelling into people's face. Like we don't have much time. Um, but like, do everything you want but then you know you do lose some people along the way if you go full throttle but it is an interesting (laughs) kind of thing when you see that and you really let it sink in and I do think it's also one of those things that like even when we do know it something we have to keep reminding ourselves of because it slips away when you get angry about like someone you know stealing your parking spot or uh you know finding a a hair in your pizza. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, right. you're like, there was a time when I, but I would have asked for more hair on my pizza if I could just be alive, you know? So right, getting that right, kind right. of balance is an interesting thing. But that yeah. balance. Yeah. I, I spoke for the, for the book, I spoke to this meditation expert and he explained to me this like heart, mind and monkey mind thing that a lot of people know, but I didn't, you know? And so it's, right. So it's like the monkey mind is where I was when I was on the train in my phone, right? It's just like, the monkey in the tree and you're busy and it's everything. And it's, you know, and it's like, and then the heart mind is like, you know, love for your, for humankind kind of thing. And I guess in a Buddhist practice, you're, the objective is to combine them because they are both, if you're all heart mind, you would like, you know, never accomplish anything. And if you're all monkey mind, you know, then you're on nose to the grindstone and you don't enjoy anything. So it's like, I guess the object is to like combine them and and the meditation next Right. And to notice when you're in the monkey mind, and that's what happened to you when you went into this spiritual practice of writing the notes, you recognized your monkey mind and you were able to stand back and and see it and realize in some ways you liked this place better. You know, it felt better. It felt richer. I want to make one point. I don't want to let this go for a second. Um, I remember going to Kripala once for one of my big experiences that I had when I was kind of waking up, you know. And I remember being in a group, and it was very powerful. I was, it was one of the first times I had been in such a group experience like that, such a deep experience, and I appreciated every person there. And I realized that we were all layers. They were layers of me. And I drew this picture that had, you know, me kind of in the middle, and then all these layers that begin to happen as you meet people in life. Mm. And I think what you're kind of doing in doing this is you're being grateful and saying thank you for the layers that have become part of you. Because the people totally. and the experiences we have become part of us. That's so that's so wonderful. Mm. Such a wonderful way of putting it. I did a practice a couple of years ago after a really shitty time in my life when my dad had died. And I had just... It was kind of one of those times where it was like one thing after another, like rolling down a hill of like bad luck. And I had listened to someone talk about a practice in which they ceased to complain for 21 days. <laughs> And that included everything, like nothing negative at all. And not that like you had to pretend that things didn't bother you, but it was just about your output about it, right? So it's like if you are waiting in line at the post office, it's not pretending that you're not bothered by it, but it's just not being like, ugh, I'm at the post office, you know what I mean? Look at this guy. It's just more like, okay, I'm noticing that I'm agitated, whatever. And my life it could have just been a coincidence, but did change in that 21 days. At the end of the 21 days, I found a new apartment. Things like I had a new job prospect. Like all these things really started to change for me. And it really is something that's stuck. And I do need to kind of redo it from time to time to reset myself. But I think it's very similar with the with gratitude. It's just about really, I think it's about tuning in to like the positive kind of things and the real things and like, and trying to like, manage how much, you know, how much negativity we're putting out there. And then it's very kind of, I think it's easy to spot it. Once you make this transition, you're like, oh, look, there's like, there's a bad, not to be too like heady, but there's a bad vibe floating over there. You know what I mean? Like, wow, I never even noticed, I never saw these before. Do you feel that way at all? Like with? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, like the, when people ask like, oh, are you still doing it? Like, is it still, you know, are you still writing a thank you note? a day, even though that wasn't my cadence, technically, it was more like I would like batch it out by like eight or nine or whatever. But um, I say that I do sort of, I I do still write them in the sense that like at the, I don't know, it's generally like, I'll have a group of them. Like right now I'm working on ones um, from the book, you know, people that kind of helped me, whatever. So it's like, there's like little themes. Like I've, you know, just like in the book, I had these 12 themes. Now it's like, 
even if I come home from a nice vacation, I'm like, okay, who helped? Like, let me write three or four notes. Like, you know, I sort of, that's how I do it. But more than that, what it trained my brain to do is, is what you're talking about, which is like, you know, I'm, I try to apply it across the board, like, you know, like a, if I'm thinking of somebody in like an appreciative way, or maybe even like saying to my husband something about somebody, I try to just express that, you know, and it's, it is like a little switch of like, okay, so tell them like, you know, like my friend Chloe, um, she paints these paintings and I have two of them in my house. And this one is like right by my, um, I'm just like showing this. Yeah, it's beautiful. And she painted this for me for my birthday. Um, knowing the calla lilies are my favorite and it's what my grandma had in the wedding. Anyway, it's like, I, I notice them every day. Now I don't text her every day, but like, you know, I, like I will be more likely to be like, these are so beautiful. And I, you know, like look at them all the time. That's number one. And then also that switch that you're talking about, like a couple weeks ago, I was in the car with my kids, driving them to school. We were behind a garbage truck and it was making us late and it's going super duper slow. And I'm like, let me try this with my kids. I'm like, all right. So it would be very easy to just for all of us to be like, ah, the garbage truck, like, so I'm like, let's just try to think about the other side. Like, what's the good thing about the garbage truck? Like we live in a city that collects our garbage. Like that's wonderful. That is wonderful. Um, also like we're going to be a little late for school, but like, we're not going to miss a plane. We're not gonna miss a flight. Like it's really, it's actually not a big deal. Like nothing bad is going to happen. Like the stakes are actually quite low. You know, we could be late for something that would be a lot more important and stressful. Um, you know, and like, and so we just had this conversation that I'm like trying to pass on to them. And it's, and definitely like you, it's not like I'm perfect at it or that I'm like pure Zen all day and like things don't annoy me or I don't want to like explode. And like, I'm not full of rage sometimes, but like, but there is like an ability to like, to access that. It's a gratitude practice. Yeah. It's a, it's a very high practice in Buddhism. I want to quickly read something talking about, um, grief and gratitude. Uh, which is that gratitude can often be one of the things that people find themselves, uh, and I've heard people say this to me, I'm sure you've heard people say this to you, and it is also one of those things, just for anyone listening who might maybe doesn't feel in that place, that you have to kind of be ready for, because there are so many different stages and so many different situations in which people are in their grieving process where, like, you could be like, if you just try some gratitude, right. you know what I mean? Like, and right. it's like, well, screw you. I'm yeah, turning this fucking thing off. But, like, yeah. you know, when you're ready, listener or whoever right. may be uh, ingesting this at this point, like, when you're ready, if that moment comes to you where you're feeling like, oh, I'm ready to kind of try something new and maybe a different practice, gratitude can be really great. I was reading this article that a, uh, a woman named Kelly Buckley had written for the Huffington Post in 2017 after losing her 23-year-old son. And she says the following, which I thought was very beautiful. Uh, This is kind of catching her mid-explanation of her gratitude uh, practice. Um, She says, as the days, weeks, and months passed, our list of tiny blessings continued to grow. They started doing kind of what you you did, except on a a different level, writing down her and her remaining child, writing down uh, little notes of, like, I'm thankful for the flowers, and I'm I'm happy for the dog. Like a little gratitude. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway... Well, bringing the flickers of light and hope along with it. We found we couldn't just limit it to one little thing any longer. Blessings were sprouting up all over the place. Butterflies, belly laughs with snorts included, fresh strawberries, naps, a letter from Stephen's friends, birds, chats with my son, or a moment of normalcy with my husband. It did not change the pain of the loss, but it did alleviate some of the suffering. I started to see all these little things that were actually the big things that really gave me meaning to back to my life. The path of gratitude was healing me and tethering me to the present moment as I grieved. And the present mo- and in the present moment, I was okay. And I think that's like a pretty beautiful thing just in thinking about, you know, I don't know. I think when we're in deep grief sometimes, it can be very, it's a, and reasonably so, and this is not a bad thing, and you would know that way more than I would about this, Bobby, but it's a time when we're thinking a lot about ourselves. Even if we're thinking about the other person, there is a lot of focus on our own emotion, our own experience of what's happening. And that's, n- that's normal. Right. That's normal. It's not abnormal. It's not bad for anyone listening. You become no judgment. But there is, and I think in your, pra- as you were mentioning earlier, Gina, in your own transformation through, you know, practicing gratitude, I think the same thing in grief can be when you're ready for it. It is a way to kind of take you out of that self 
yeah. gazing. I have a great story to tell you, actually. I remember running a bereavement support group once, and Oprah Winfrey had done, years ago, it had to have been 15 years ago, maybe even more, she had done this gratitude practice thing. Um, and as Oprah does, you know, everybody talked about it and heard about it. So I brought it up in the group. I was a, it was a spouse bereavement group that had just started, and there was one man in the group, and these were all people that were unfi- under 50. And he was like in his 30s. His, mm-hmm. his wife had died. He had three little kids. I mean, he, okay. I, if I remember correctly, he had you know, a stressful job. And he heard this. And, you know, and I mentioned it to the group. I said, you know, look, everybody feels so, we're all focusing on what you don't have. You know? And Oprah's talking about gratitude and just noticing what you do have. So I said, I know you're all in different places, but let's think about it. So he went home. And he said he started to practice it. And he said the first day, all he could notice is that he put his feet down and there was one slipper at the edge of the bed. And he was grateful that there was one slipper. There weren't two. There was one. Then he said he went to do the three loads of laundry that were there because he had three little kids. And there was a quarter of a cup of detergent. And he was grateful. It wasn't as much detergent as he needed, but it was a quarter of a cup. And he said, in the beginning, it was so oh. hard because it was, everything was so, so hard. So and he didn't notice wonderful things. It, nothing, but he course. tried to notice the little things that were instead of the things that weren't. And he said, over time, he began to see his kids. He couldn't see them at first because he was so blinded by his, his pain and his struggle. Yeah. And I just, I love that story. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's very beautiful. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's such a... It's such an interesting thing, interesting thing. And I'm also curious, Gina, because you're a food person. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of us, when we're um, wanting to thank somebody or show our gratitude towards them, we say it with food. And what do you think is the yeah. difference and pluses and, uh, you know, advantages, that just differences in, for instance, being like, I'm, I have gratitude towards you. Uh, and for you in my life, here are, you know, here's a banana bread or writing a letter. What are the differences there? And like, you know. Oh yeah. my God. I love this. Yeah. I love this question. Um, okay. Yeah. Like thanking somebody with food or showing your love with, with home cooked food is wonderful. It's like something we have to give. It It is nourishing it's delightful. Um, I guess the difference is, well, you're articulating something, you know, it's instead of a general warmth that you're giving with food and a nourishment and a, I am here for you. And I spent time making this for you and I want you to enjoy it, which is so lovely. This is, has a different intention. This has, this is a, um, you know, I have things inside of me that I have to say to you that I've never said, you know, um, you said this thing and I think about it every time I, you know, sit down to write and I, you didn't, you don't know that. How could you know that? Um, you know, you, said you 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 know you were there for me in this particular time when I felt really alone and I've never forgotten that you know it's it's like these things that you have in your in yourself that it's hard to share them a lot of people find it very difficult um I spoke to somebody in Austin who studies gratitude letters and the impact not only on the person writing them, but on the receiving end, which he's the only person who really studies that receiving end. Um, A lot of people study gratitude and how good it feels to feel it and express it and sit with it. And he studies also the, that, like how it feels to receive it. And the upshot was of his studies were, is that people overestimate the awkwardness of doing something like that. Everybody thinks it's going to be really awkward um, because it's not something people do. You don't have to, listen, nobody has to do any, I mean, it's a hundred percent voluntary, right? Like you never have to do it ever. So like a lot of people will never, will never, you don't have to. And, um, and it's, it's vulnerable and it's, weird putting yourself out there. And it's weird saying, you know, Hey, we haven't spoken for 10 years, but I think about you constantly. Like it's there, it's very vulnerable and it's very uncool. And, um, and that feels really awkward. Um, but on the flip side, everybody, 
underestimates the impact. Like it meant a lot to everybody, you know, that he studied. And, you know, as I'm talking to him, I'm like, right, you know, there were certain people that reached out to me and said, oh my God, I got this at this particular time that I was going through a hard time and it really meant something. And it, you know, brought me back to, I'm thinking of, um, of, uh, Julie Wallach who did Tipsy Person and Little Giant. And I wrote to her, Little Giant was like our favorite, favorite restaurant, um, back in the day, back in the day. And she had written to me and said, you know, I got this at a really hard time in my life. I'm suffering from Lyme disease. I'm feeling miserable in all kinds of ways. And you reminded me why I got into restaurants in the first place and how I, it really brought me back into that, that time and how much joy I truly felt in Little Giant. Um, you know, it was an open kitchen and there were no phones on the tables and there was so much connection. And I went to the farmer's market every day. Anyway, so I'm sharing all of this with him, you know, that like, kind of like if you hit that note just right, it'll like mean something. And Amit Kumar, his name is, he was like, no, you're wrong. He's like, you're, I'm coming at this from a science, like you're coming at this from like your own experience and that's great, but I'm coming at it from like a scientific perspective where I, I had people wrote out like a, people filled in questionnaires for me. Like, I doubt that you made people fill in questionnaires. You attach a questionnaire to all your thank you notes. (laughs) Right, right. That'd be something. How did this make Um, you feel? So he was like, you just have to trust me on this because I've really done the research. Um, It means a lot to everybody. Maybe just people weren't sharing that with you, you know, which is fine. Um, Anyway, so. You said something in your book about it, that it helped you reconnect parts of your life, you know, and I think that's what it helped other people do too. So it helps us, you know, put things back together again. Yeah, because you know, your future. Yes, exactly. And that, I mean, I'll, I'll come, I'll sort of tie this back into your question from a while ago that I hadn't answered yet. So like, you know, that what, where I really was feeling that is in my author's month, which was a bunch of fan mail, which I kind of felt it was toward the end of the year. And I was kind of like, this, this was, is this going to be a dud month? Like I'm just writing to a bunch of people I don't know. And like, they probably will never get it. And like, it's going to slush piles and agents offices. And like, I guess I'll just try it. Um, and that was, the, the, what I really found wonderful about that month is that whereas a lot of other months, it's like a, a real connection between me and somebody I love or like, or just that we had a moment or we had a something. And this was a connection between me and a piece of art that I loved that meant something to me. And it's about that communion, you know? So it, it really didn't matter that the, you know, that like the person on the end never got it or put, most probably never got it. It was really about me revisiting, you know, some, a person who I am and who I used to very much be when I, when I wasn't, you know, in little kid and busy land, which is a, you know, a reader. And that was such, that is such an important part of me since I was a little girl and, you know, really kind of spending time like honoring that part of me and reconnecting to that part of me and remembering what, I loved about some of these books and going back to them and, you know, really like those letters were really personal. Like I wasn't just like, I started out kind of like almost writing book reviews and then I was like, this is dumb. And I, so then I started getting really personal. Like this is when I, I wrote, I read this in this period of my life and this is what I took from it. Or this is, you know, why it meant something to me or this sparked a love of, you know, I wrote to the babysitters club (laughs) and Martin from the babysitters club and, you know, like, that kind of thing where I'm really spent time thinking about that and reconnecting to that piece of me. And so obviously it could be music or plays or art or anything. And I, I guess where I'm going back to your question, you know, so much of this is about you, you, the writer. So like, so if you wanted to sit down and write to somebody who has passed and express this, you know, I'm thinking about the 365 notes, like I got something out of all of them. And it really, like, this wasn't like an altruistic project. It really wasn't like it, it, you know, starting from the train, like I, my, my object wasn't to make people feel good. Like I, I obviously that was great. And like, I love other people and I'm glad if I made a lot of people's days and that was like a wonderful side effect. Um, but it really was about me and wanting to feel the way that I was feeling and wanting to like have this sort of intention of like, like you, Bobby, were saying it in like these lovely ways of like, 
getting out of that monkey brain to-do list, blah, blah, blah. Um, anyway, so like, so there is so much benefit just in the writing, even if you never send it, um, all those shoulder relaxing, you know, processing of feelings, all that stuff happens. You just don't get that last little thing, which is like, Ooh, what, what will they think? Or like a nice little surprise or nice. spreading love and joy. But like, that's sort of like the last 10%, you know, we can never control the outcome, even if the person's alive, we can never alive. control right? the outcome. So you could write like yeah. anything can, and there's so much kind of a risk you take in writing a vulnerable thing. It can get lost in the mail. It could somehow right. piss somebody off at best. And the hope is I think, and the, you know, the altruistic part and the benevolent part of it is to, want to be doing something to make someone else's life better. But I do think that there's a huge and not a self-serving goal in a negative way in writing these things, because I think it improves us to do this, to this kind of practice in terms of like the output we have even to strangers. And so like in that kind of intangible way, you know, like ephemeral way that we never necessarily will be able to see in terms of you write a letter, you express gratitude, you send it to your dead parent, and but you've processed something within you. Yes. So when you leave the house, your attitude towards the next stranger is actually full of gratitude. And they will never know that you've practiced that or that's because you just wrote a letter. So it's this kind of like, you know, fingers crossed in a way, like just unknowing faith in what you're processing of emotions can kind of pay forward. Um, I have, you know, a huge regret in my life and I don't really have many regrets, but I do regret when my dad died. Um, I chose not to go see his body. And even before when he was dying, I was so angry, you know, I was like so mad. I was alone. There was no one helping me. I was so angry instead of, and I loved my dad. We were so close instead of doing things like listening to music together or, you know, I was just like pissed that he hadn't taken care of his bills. And then I didn't want to see his body. And I walked into the hospital room and I accidentally did. And his arm was hanging out and I shut the door and I left. And I think about it all the time. And I've written many letters to him about that. And it's like helped me. So you, you wish that you had gone into the room? Yeah. I mean, I do now because I'm someone who is not necessarily fearful of death or does a different place, but I just yeah. couldn't face it at the time and it's one thing that I really have a lot of regret about and so I guess my point in saying this other than sharing my own story is just to like for other folks that might have whether it be regret or just things you want to continue to, to say to a loved one who's gone writing um, is a great an unbelievable right and, and according to your faith are they gone or are they not gone I mean or you know someone like me who who knows <laughs> you know what I mean but for us for the person who is the griever, the mourner, the person still alive to like, to get those things out sometimes is just so helpful. It's, it can be so helpful and you know, it's never I, too late. It's never too late. You know, I thought of some, another benefit of this practice. Interesting. I'm going to see my friend Anne in a little while and she's also a fellow bereavement person, lovely human being. And whenever I go with her anywhere, she thanks everybody. So she thanks, when we go to the bathroom, the public bathroom, she thanks the person who's cleaning the bathroom. Of she course. goes I mean, out that's of a good her thing way to, do, yeah. to thank them. She thanks the park, everybody that she sees along yeah. the way. And I think it also helps open up that line, um, that channel inside of us to be grateful for the right. human beings that right. we come in contact with. Well, it doesn't cost anything, right? And it doesn't take any time. Really? You know, it's like, it's so nice. Um, yeah. If somebody yeah, wanted... I guess when I, when you were talking about writing to your dad and stuff, I guess um, what I would say about writing a gratitude note versus, I guess, another kind of note, I think it's nice. It's sort of an easy, I don't know, there's like a nice little prompt there built right in, right? Like, because mm. you're, it, it, you know, I imagine if I'm writing to somebody who's gone and you have a million memories to choose from, um, there's something nice about asking yourself, like, what did this, what, what would I want to thank them for that maybe I didn't quite say, you know, um, that I never really said. And, you know, and that's like a nice way in, I think. Um, and then it could go from there, but sometimes people, people get caught up in, in the, you know, what should I say, and how should I frame it? And even if you're never going to send it, people, you know, it's like, you just don't know quite how to start. 
And that's why like a lot of these months I templated where like the first sentence was almost the same for everybody. And that's, um, that meditation expert actually explained it like it was a physical mantra, which I never would have thought of, but it, it, it does sort of, if you know, the first sentence, it kind of, he said it acts like a little windshield wiper for your brain. And then it's, it's just easier after that. Anyway. So if you would start with like, you know, something like, I never got to thank you for, you know, like what, what is that thing? And then you go into like with any writing specifics, specifics, not generality, you know, be specific, not generic. And, you know, specific memories and how you feel is very impactful. You know, like this is whether you're doing this as an exercise to somebody who's gone or just any, any letter you would write. The way I think about it is, you know, writing is interesting when you're telling something new that maybe something's never heard of. And we all have those new things, which is your perspective on a shared experience, your feelings about something that you shared, you know, because people don't know that, you know, you two, maybe you went on a beautiful vacation together and you both remember that vacation, but you don't know how the other person, what they remember of it or how they were feeling when you, I don't know. Yeah. Some examples are coming to mind. Yeah, no, I, when you I hop know them on saying. the boat. Yeah, that. like seeing the other kind of, yeah, the specific pers- alternate perspectives for sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and you never know where it's going to go. Myself, for example, I wrote, I started with writing a eulogy, which turned into a thank you, like different letters about gratitude and unsaid things to my dad, which turned into an essay that I wrote, which is coming out uh, in a zine, which turned into a short film that I wrote. And like in that, I'm only saying that if that, you know, I choose to shoot that short film and make it, then other people can say, you know what I mean? And so like your, your own practice of, you know, gratitude or whatever it may be really can kind of turn into something bigger, which, you know, establishes a new meaning and then people get to kind of, other people can experience it. Because it helps your evolution. It helps you evolve. And in in this case too, with you, I mean, what you've done was it started as a personal (laughs) practice for you to kind of shift your thinking. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, it's out there and it's helping lots of people, I think, kind of think a little bit differently. And it's a really just such a beautiful concept and a wonderful, special practice. And um, we really are so appreciative that you wrote it and we can't recommend it enough to everybody Mm -hmm. listening. Oh, thank you. uh, Thank you for that. I just want to add one more thing. I think you said it before. I think it's a risk. We stick our neck out. Mm. It's a risk we take to reveal ourselves totally. and to be ourselves to another person, you know? And so I think it's very courageous. And what you're, what you're trying to help teach people is an, another way of being courageous in life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, yeah, it takes a lot of bravery. Um, a lot of these did, um, they all did in some, in some measure. And then some of them more than others. Um, you know, I reached out to estranged friends. I reached out to a boss who had laid me off and all of those were really, I mean, those were, those were the most interesting ones, you know? Um, it's like the scarier they are, the more interesting it's going to be. Especially sure. when you have a bad handwriting like I do. Now that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> well, you'll have because... to type your letters. Nobody <laughs> would write... be able to read it. A Bobby letter. Tell us what you think about that, because I have a terrible writing, and I've always risked writing things out. I always buy cards that I, I write, and I have a terrible writing, handwriting. I, I need to, I'm it's literally illegible. writing this down as, I need to do a, like a, re, a reel about this or something, because it's my most asked question. Um, uh-huh. I mean, my, my, my basic thing is like, I think handwriting is interesting. If it's purely illegible. Like if you absolutely cannot read it, then yeah, type it and send it. But if it's somewhat like you can see my writing is like not beautiful. Like it's kind of chicken scratchy. Um, I think it's legible and it's interesting. It's, it's part of me. You can see that I actually wrote it. Um, so I, it's very personal. Um, you know, I, I'm like wildly uninterested in like something that looks perfect. You know, I, I would often scratch things out or like, you know, I would sort of like go on a tangent and say like, that was a tangent. I don't know. It's like, I just think the more it resembles a real conversation, the better. And that's part of it. 
is like, are yeah. those mistakes, you know? Yeah. And the more revealing it is, and that's the risk. Totally. And I, I think this is a perfect time for this book to have come out. And, and interest, I think that we all kind of have a choice right now. And I mean, and by we all, I, that is always factoring in saying that some people don't have as many, but many of us have a choice right now in how we want to re-enter life. We've been given this like very interesting, very complicated time to which was full of grief and loss and also for many full of new opportunities but here we are beginning to really reset and I think we have this opportunity do we want to just go back to normal exactly like it was do we want to be worse do we want to be more self-aware do we want to continue to hide right and I think that there is I was out to a restaurant last night um and one of the servers I was like how's it going you know and she was like, you know, people are a, a kind of worse than they were before. And I was like, we're disregarding. Really? Yeah. We're disregarding. And entitled. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's so unfortunate. And to me, mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is a time. And I'm not saying everybody's like that at all. I don't really know. I haven't been out a ton. I don't work in restaurant service day to day anymore. But, you know, I just hope that uh, we can all take this time as and think about what we want to do with it. And I think focusing on things like gratitude uh, are especially important if we want to choose to be like, this just happened. This just really happened. All these hundreds of thousands of people in this country, millions of people around the world died, are still dying, suffering. Um, We've stayed home in our houses. We've learned all these new kind of ways. Like, how do we want to be now? And I think, like, adopting practices, like, Mm -hmm. in our daily life, whatever it may be, whether whether it's writing thank you letters whether it's meditation, whatever it is, but like if we can incorporate some new things having gone through this experience, it would be great. And that's why I think like your book is coming out at such a perfect time. Um, and also so much different kind of healing. You know, there's a lot of things that we've gotten past in the past um, couple years and we kind of, and are moving through and we're getting to just think about who we want to be now, you know? Right, right. And, and right. having opportunity to be different people, you know? I know. know. It's a fascinating, it's fascinating. It really is. So Gina, we like to ask our wonderful guests if, since this is a food show, um, if we were all going to share a meal right now, and I know our meal, I mean, I feel like thinking about gratitude and food is like even more of a... Thanksgiving. Yeah, right? But so if we're all going (laughs) to share a meal right now, what would we each bring to our our meal that we were going to have together? Well, I'm very conscious because I did read that... um, Am I correct that there's some health issues that you have, so your diet is a little different now? Oh, so annoying. Yeah, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free and low sugar and almost no alcohol right now. But I I just went out to a restaurant for the first time, and I did have a cheeseburger. So it's like... Good for you! I'm, so I'm Hell like, yeah. I feel like I'm... I was like very strict for like more than a year because of these health problems that had... It was like... It's it's too boring, but it was like my eye. It, I couldn't wear contact. I don't know. There was like all this stuff, and the diet stuff really, really helped. So I was like very strict, and now I'm getting to a place where I'm like maybe like once a month I can just because it's cumulative for me. Is like the yeah. inflammation is like cumulative. Totally. So, so, so can we have um, anything? So we can bring anything <laughs> so then. Let's do anything. Let's okay. Do so this is like my monthly feast. All right. About. Good. Okay. Got it. So what are you gonna bring, Bobby? Well, to be quite honest, I'm gonna bring something healthy because I've been making quinoa salad lately. And I have bags and bags of quinoa that I never use. And I decided I'm going to start using this quinoa. And I don't really like it warm but cold. So I'm going to put cucumbers in it and mint and dill and parsley and tomatoes and feta cheese and lemon and olive oil. And I'll bring the quinoa salad. That sounds good. I, I like to show my gratitude with two things very specifically. Lasagna and meatballs. So even though I already make a lot of it in my daily life, um, I am going to bring lasagna and meatballs. Okay. Those are wonderful. Um, I mean, I am a little intimidated making this for you. My, I'm like the queen of Italian-American food, but I, my grandma's eggplant parmesan is so wonderful and delicious. So I would – and it's like – it's really like a treat. To, like I don't make it very often because it's like you know it's, it's it takes a while so it's so, a lot yeah but I would but for you guys I would make it oh my gosh Excellent. amazing well I can't wait until this can actually happen all right Gina this was really wonderful mm-hmm. do you have anything that you want to uh, plug do you want to just tell folks the title of the book one more time and where they can find it what? and yeah so it's called I want to thank you 
how a year of gratitude can bring joy and meaning in a disconnected world. Um, it is sold everywhere. Books are sold, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. And of course I prefer the local indie spots. Um, Books are magic or is our local. Um, and if you go to GinaHamity.com, there's a link to all that, plus my newsletter, plus my Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. Gina, this was great. And I just want to thank you, actually, while we're here, <laughs> for years ago, including me in such a wonderful book, the Buenos Nachos oh. cookbook. Buenos Nachos. I just felt like I had such imposter syndrome. There were so many wonderful, amazing chefs and celebrities, all kinds of cool people. And I was so, I am so grateful I'm going to verbally oh, God, tell but you. Yours was one of my favorite. Yours was one of my favorite recipes, though. So good. Thank you so much. I made wow. antipasto nachos. <gasps> oh, yeah. yeah, so good. And I know that was like a that was a fun little sleeper book. Like I, it was such a fast project. It was like beginning to end. I think it took me seven or eight weeks. I mean, it was, I mean, it was like the easiest, like picking up the phone and asking a chef if they want to send me a nacho recipe. I feel like they were just like writing it as I was asking. They were like, yeah, sure. It's done. They're like, like, I'm eating nachos right like, now. Every... I already have it. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you Very, so much. Like, low lift. So yeah. it was fun. Yeah. Well, and thank you. Thank you deeply for joining us today to talk mm. about this because uh, it's such a special book and we can't recommend it enough. And I just think this was such a unique and interesting conversation. And I think that a lot of our listeners, particularly those who are, you know, dealing with grieving situations can get a lot out of this and a lot out of your book. So thank you for joining us. This was wonderful. Oh, well, that's kind of you to say this was my pleasure. So thank you for inviting me. Okay. We'll talk to you soon. This episode is brought to you by Tabard Inn. Tabard Inn, Washington, D.C.'s quintessential hotel, is located on a quiet, tree-lined street just five blocks from the White House. Vibrant yet unassuming, the Tabard is comprised of 35 sleeping rooms, each unique in character and design. Feast on an eclectic American cuisine in their acclaimed restaurant, or enjoy a cocktail served on the beautiful patio, which has ample room for social distancing. Travelers from around the world find the Tabard the only place to stay when taking their travels to Washington. For more information, visit tabardin.com. Thank you so much for joining us for Processing. We realize that sharing these types of deeply intimate stories on air is a very personal decision. We began this project as a way to connect our listeners through shared experiences and storytelling. We hope that Processing can be a platform for sharing, learning, and healing. We appreciate our guests' willingness to be vulnerable and value nothing more than making both our guests' and listeners' experiences with our show positive and progressive. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or writing in a listener letter, please email processing at heritageradionetwork.org. Please follow us at processing underscore podcast on Instagram. Processing is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food Radio, supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click at the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.